0: This away under things that you probably already know about me, but that I'm going to state again, aside from the fact that I'm from Chicago. Have I told you that? Well, I love statistics, and specifically, I love statistics in sports. I'm the guy who watches the Super Bowl not for the commercials and only partially for the game, definitely never for a halftime, but because I love to see that stat pop up after the first touchdown is scored that says. The team that scores first when wearing the dark-colored jerseys is more likely to win than the other team by X percentage. Baseball. Baseball is a game that is based exclusively on statistics. It is a game that I love because there's somebody out there who compiled the data that says that this specific pitcher, when pitching in Philadelphia on Tuesdays in July, is 75% more likely to throw an off-speed pitch in a 3-1 count to a right-handed batter with runners in scoring position. Look it up. I guarantee that statistic is out there, and that's what makes baseball so maddening and so crazy. In bike racing, statistics play a role. Obviously, there are statistics for who's more likely to win in a race that finishes on an uphill finish, who's more likely to win in a four-corner criterion that's 60 minutes or long. Spoiler alert, probably Legion. You know, statistics make and break sports, and we have them in place because they have value. But here's a statistic that I learned the other day that I think blows my mind. Luke Lampardy is the youngest bike racer to ever win a U.S. Professional Criterium champion. In fact, he is so young that he almost wasn't eligible to race in the Pro Crit Championship. He was born December 31st, 2002, which makes him just eligible. If he had been born a couple hours later on January 1st, he would be the best, fastest, 18-year-old junior champ that we've ever seen. My name is Rob Kelly. This is Criterion Nation, a show about life lived one corner at a time. The Wide Angle Podium Network of Shows. Segway alert. Sorry, I should have thrown that in there. Begin with wideanglepodium.com. It's where you can go to find out about the full bevy of shows that we have available for you to listen to. Go check out Cyclocross Radio, the Slow Ride Podcast, the Grodio, Nowhere Fast. Check out the work that Michael Bodekheimer is doing on the YouTube channel with Hot Lap Summer. It's awesome. We've got Luke Lampardy on the show He's going to tell us all about what happened in those last couple of corners and fill us in on, you know, kind of what happens at Trinity Racing, who they are, what they're all about. But in order to whet your appetite about getting to that interview with Luke and finding out all about what it took for him to win that national title, we've got a piece first up from Alan Schroeder from C.S. Velo. Inside the Peloton, it's a new thing that we are working on and that Alan has has put in a yeoman's effort in doing a first draft of. Alan has been racing a lot with the guys at CS Velo this year. He's been at Tulsa. He's been at Pro Crit Champs. He's been at Pro Road Nationals. And we wanted to present to you what it's like to be inside the Peloton for those important moments in time. So, Alan... Thinking about it hard during the course of the race, I'm absolutely confident. Kind of taking some notes right there on the handlebars about what he's experiencing. He sat down afterwards and he recorded this piece that we're going to share with you here in a second. So it's designed as an aperitif. It's designed as something to wet your appetite. It's designed as something to get you hungry, to hear what it is that Luke Lamparday has to say. I know, team redundant team three times saying the exact same thing, but it's good stuff. Listen to it. Enjoy it. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more from in this world of inside the Peloton. You can reach out to us at Criterion Nation on Instagram or on Twitter or CriteriumNation at gmail.com. We'd really appreciate hearing from you guys. I know we've heard from some others before, and we're trying to incorporate the changes that they've got into there. We're going to get to the show here in a second, We've got a brief message from our friends at Source Endurance, source-e.net. Go there, take a look at what they've got for coaching, and when you find what you want, use Criterium Nation at checkout for $50 off. After we get that message, we're going to break down Pro Crit Nationals, and we're going to get inside the mind of Luciano Lampardy, and we're doing that right now.
1: My name is Ray Landry out of Draper, Utah, and there are a few reasons why I got a coach. One was to try and finish the Leadville 100 mountain bike race in under nine hours. I successfully achieved that goal in 2019 a full hour and a half faster than my previous year's time without a coach. The other was to try and keep up with my friends who had been riding for 15 plus years while I have been riding for just five. Using a coach and structured training allowed me to speed the process along in more ways than one. I got faster in a shorter amount of time and can now keep up with and even beat some of the guys who have been riding for 10 plus years more than me. For the 2021 season, after building quite a base during the previous two years with a professional coach, I switched the emphasis to gaining speed in hopes of getting my first podium. So far this season, I've had four races and four podiums and sitting second overall in points. I've yet to win one, but know that's coming if I stick to the source endurance plan my coach Nikki Peterson is giving me.
2: Criterium Nation. This is Stories from the Peloton, and I'm Alan Schroeder. I think this was very much Legion's race to lose, right? I mean, you have AE Volo coming in, you have Wildlife Generation coming in, you have some dude in a Trek kit uh, that decided to sign, sign up, but really didn't play into this at all. This was Legion's race to lose, and you know they rode like it was, especially coming off their their absolute dominance of Tulsa Tough, you know. So even though this course maybe made it easier for other teams to get involved and other teams to make it hard on Legion, it's hard to argue anything other than the fact that this was Legion's race to lose. This Nationals course is wide open. It is essentially, you know, four-lane highway roads that the The turns are are four lanes wide. You can take them literally like 10 dudes wide. Uh, There's been some chatter about whether or not this is a good crit course. And, you know, now that I've raced it, I would say that, you know, it is a good course. It's a It was a fun course to ride. You know, I think some people think that because the course is so wide and it's basically downhill, turn, come back uphill to the finish, makes it a hard, a hard course for breakaways. But to that, I would say, you know what else is hard for breakaways? When there's a team or two on the front just riding at 30 miles an hour the whole time. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter what the course what the shape of the course is if there's a team that's going to go to the front from the gun and just ride at 30 miles an hour it's always going to be hard to get a breakaway going i mean you know we so, we've seen it with the last four crits we've done breakaways are going to struggle to succeed this year whether it be nationals or any of the usa crit series we're standing on the line there's 140 50 160 of us standing there it's hot but everybody everybody's excited everybody's on edge and you know one of my least favorite things that is that they do in criteriums is they count you down They count down from 10 seconds, and it just, like, I guess it's good for fans, maybe. It builds just a ridiculous amount of tension. I kind of wish it'd be more like Cross, where it's a surprise, you know? They're like, all right, sometimes in the next 30 seconds you're going to go, and then it's just a whistle. One thing that this race did have in common with Cross was the start. When they hit zero and they said go, if you missed your pedal off that start line, you were going to the back of the bunch. There was no way around it. People were getting clipped in and sprinting for that first turn and that first downhill. The first move that really held any weight, it seemed, had an AE Volo guy and a echelon, Project Echelon guy, and that was really gonna be the name of the game for this whole this whole race were these these teams that don't necessarily have the raw sprint strength as Best Buddies or Legion, but they do just have these like powerhouse time trial guys. That's one thing that You know, came through on the team radio most that day, which just
0: Gage hacked and
2: Steven Vogel off the front. Legion chasing. It sounded like at the front of the race for the most, like the most action that was occurring was when Gage was basically when AE Volo or Echelon were trying to send guys off the front. But I think a bulk of the racing really came in the last 10 laps-ish, somewhere in there. That's when it didn't really get fast at 10 to go. 10 to go, I think Legion was still doing their best to try and contain everybody. You know, they were kind of in a holding patter- pattern at that point. They were just on the front. Everybody seemed pretty content at that point to let them be on the front. And I think 10 to go is when you start to see teams gathering together. Yeah, I think for the most part, everybody was just trying to take a minute, get take a breath and get ready for the, the battle that was going to be the last, you know, eight to 10 laps. One interesting thing about this race, and again, maybe you can chalk it up to the course is that even within those eight to 10 laps, like this race was never properly strung out, right? We never saw it be just two by two from the front of the the front of the race all the way through to the back. Basically right behind the Legion train, we always it was always like three to four guys wide. Um, and even when it was like proper fast racing, that that never changed, which, you know, that's just something I think was unique to this race, and again is maybe unique to this course. Five laps to go is when you really started to notice things starting to thin out. That's when wildlife were Seemed to have gotten their team together and they took to the front They wanted to try and take it to legion It seemed from the back that legion kind of kind of let them do it. Um They were happy, you know five laps to go on this course. That's still about seven or eight minutes of racing They seemed fairly content to kind of let Wildlife set the pace for for that that period Um do a brunt of the work and just kind of ride next to them. But that's when you really start to see in the back of the bunch kind of that that 50 plus wheels that it was strung out back there guides are guys are shedding off the back um, kind of every time we, we, we went up the hill. but from within the group three to go is when you really notice that okay damn, we're going. Tell me Kripbeth is dead again like if that's the case, then why is Ben Wolf? on the front with two K to go, riding his ass off. It's because he knew and McCabe knew that they had a shot at this race. You make that turn, cross the bridge, headed back towards the finish line and that uphill that you can no longer just kind of cruise your way up that hill. People are just letting gaps open up left and right. You are in the drops and you are honestly sprinting up that hill to either hold the wheel or, you know, try and make up as many spots as you can to get ready for the finale. And boy. what a fin- what a finale it was it's one and a half laps to go you've got ben wolf just on the front doing ben wolf things he's dieseling his way down this hill doing absolutely everything he can to just like keep the pace high keep people behind him and behind him you have six eight guys five aevol guys something like that you have four of legions got gu- legion guys you have wildlife on their inside i mean everybody is there Uh, And I mean, what is there to say about that last lap that's not already been talked about? You know, you know, Gage Hecht on the front taking a hero pole just for the whole field. But then you have Elevate coming coming in the inside of Legion. And it looks like, you know, with what is it from there, like 500 meters to go that they've got it. Bassetti is right on Eric Young's wheel. They make it to that right hander first. Everything's looking great. Um, you know, Corey, maybe a little bit out of position, but coming up that first stretch of Hill with a lot of speed, making up grounds coming through that turn, you know, kind of tied for third place, maybe coming into that turn with, with too much momentum. We, we all saw the result of that. Uh, you've got Luke Lampardy making it through that scrum somehow unscathed and, you know, frustratingly on the camera, uh, as you might expect, they're sticking with the sticking with the crash, trying to see what was going on, and we sort of miss, at least in the replay, the sprint between between Luke and and Sam Basetti. But looks like the kid, the mountain biker, he just he just got the better of Basetti. Maybe was on the wheel coming through that last turn. It's a downhill sprint. Um, just that little bit more momentum got him the win. 18 years old the win at u.s pro crit nationals in what i mean has to have been one of the most chaotic crit nationals that we've seen in a long long time we see the mountain biker come out on top you know overall it was a good race you always want an action-packed race and a drama field race filled race is always good but you know That's not the kind of drama you want to see, especially not a last lap lead group crash that really has a strong effect on the outcome of the race. So that's a little disappointing for those interested. I mean, it was a wicked fast race. We averaged 29 and a half miles an hour with 2000 feet of climbing over the course of that, that crit, which is insane. I mean the the folks of knoxville really got into it you know coming through that home stretch every time was awesome people were being loud hitting the barriers just just bringing the hype for sure which was cool to see at the end of the day i mean it's hard to say that that one of the strongest guys didn't win
0: It's almost the 4th of July which means it's just about time for Sonny King, the king of all crits in Anniston, Alabama being run this year on July 3. Sonny King has been happening in Anniston, Alabama for the last 30 years. Get down there to Anniston, Alabama for your opportunity to become one of crit royalty alongside former winners like Corinne Rivera, Kendall Ryan, Skylar Schneider and Summer Moak. There is a lot to offer in Anniston, Alabama. Not only do you have a live stream for amateur and professional events, the pro teams are catered to with an event on July 2 before the opening of the races on July 3, and then again, after the races are over, there's another dinner for the team. It's only 90 minutes away from Atlanta's Hartsfield International Airport, so it's super convenient, and payout is incredible. $25,500 split equally between the men and the women. Register today at AnnistonCycling.com and use the promo code Nation, all one word, for 10% off your entry. And we'll see you in Anniston, Alabama, on July 3. Normally, this part of the interview gets cut out because it's normally the part of the interview where I just ask a ask you to go, who are you? Like introduce yourself. Everybody else who's been on the show will know that I, I kind of started out with a kind of a little joke about this is the hardest question that you're going to be asked is to introduce yourself. But I think there's a story that needs to come in before we even say Luke Lamperde, And it's about what happened on, you know, June 18th, 8:42 PM. That is the exact moment that you crossed the line. At Crit Nationals. But my tweet at that exact moment is just a long list of, um, because it was absolute chaos. Nobody knew for a good 30 seconds who had won, who you were, and where you came from. So let's start with that. Luke Lampardy, who are you and where do you come from now that you are the 2021 U.S. Pro Crit Champ?
3: Yeah, so my name is Luke Lamperdi. I'm from Sebastopol, California, grown and raised here, been local my whole life, and now spend most of my time in Europe, so definitely unknown for sure, especially at Crit Nationals, Um, so big win for sure.
0: You are not the first, Lamperdi, to be a national champion. Cool thing, you have a Wikipedia page. I don't know if you know that. I really kind of want my own Wikipedia page, but... Rob Kelly is taken by a lot of very untalented comedians and football players, but your older brother Gianni is also a national champ just from 2019. So this is kind of like a family tradition of really exceptional bike racers.
3: Yeah. Um, me and my brother have raced since we're really young. Um, we both started probably when I was 10 and he was about 12 and I actually um, have a bunch of national championships from when I was really young, ones that didn't really matter much, but at the time were big in 10, 12s and 13, 14s. Uh, I think I have seven national championships from them when I was really young. And then Gianni won in 2019 at the junior road race. Um, So it's definitely, definitely runs in the family a little bit, even though he's not racing anymore. He's kind of moved on to other things, but he was national champion when he, right before he kind of stopped.
0: Bike racing is kind of the second thing for you In your life, the first passion that you had was actually motocross. Is that true?
3: Yes, it is. So I started with motocross when I was really young and that's kind of what my dad did and did that growing up, um, super seriously, and then started training on a bicycle actually. And that's kind of where the bicycle came into play and was riding a mountain bike and a mountain bike on the roads and was kind of all over with that. And then I was trying to do both and did local Tuesday night dirt crits. And then kind of things took off from there. I decided to go full bicycle, me and my brother did. And we just went full gas with the bicycle from there all the way, all the way till now, I guess it's kind of just been a crazy, crazy path. And
0: if I'm doing the math correctly, you are one day away from not being the national champ because your birthday, like my birthday, you're a Christmas baby. You're at the end of the year. So you were born December 31st of of 2002, So if you had been born one day later, you wouldn't even been eligible for this year's edition, would you?
3: Yeah. So if I was born only just a couple hours later, I would have uh, would have still been a junior this year. So it's always been considered everyone's like, oh, you have a terrible birthday for cycling. But I did get into it pretty young. And I mean, now it's worked out, I guess you could say, because I was eligible for nationals and stuff this year. But yeah, if I was a couple hours later, I still would be a junior this year.
0: And we would all be wondering who that really good guy was that won the 17 to 18 race, as opposed to the guy who won pro crit championships. Has it actually sunk in for you that the way that this, this chaos kind of ended with the crash in the second to last corner with you sprinting uh, against Sam Bassetti and Eric Young and kind of the chaos of like what we've been calling the black hole. It's like, that spot in coverage that nobody really saw what happened. And it happens to be the most crucial part.
3: Yeah, there's definitely a spot in the film that everyone's kind of been looking for. But nobody, nobody has a video of that one part like everyone has right before it and right after it. But no one, no one knows what happened in those like two seconds that everybody missed that does happen to be a very crucial part.
0: But you do know, you know, because you lived it, Fill us in, and I know we're hitting something big here at the top, and I should, as a good producer, save this for, like, the end of the interview so that people definitely go all the way, but, like, you can't get away from the fact that you cleared a Project Echelon rider who was, you know, dropping his chain, and, like, there was just chaos. So, like, walk us through those last, I don't know, three, four turns leading up to to you sprinting
3: for the win. Yeah, so kind of from the last four turns, where where everyone saw Elevate kind of go up the inside right before we started up what's considered the climber back towards the finish on the course, and Elevate made like a super good move. I did not expect that at all, and I don't really think anyone did where they came from with a ton of speed with Sam and Eric. When they came, it was kind of like an oh-shoot moment. Like no one, really, no one really knew, and I think it confused everyone a little bit. Like no one was really sure where they came from or how they had so much speed. But when they came past everyone, it was like super, super last minute. And to be honest, a really good move by them, like very, very good move. And when they went, then everyone, that's kind of when the chaos started because everyone all of a sudden panicked because it's been a race in the past. It's been a race to that right-hand corner. That's three corners to go is kind of where the race is to in that crit and everyone, everyone knows it. And that's how it's been won in the past. And so when they were, going towards that everyone all of a sudden just started to sprint to try to get back to them and I was on Corey's wheel at that point and Corey went and left Tyler who's his lead out man um and left him right like probably halfway up that straightaway before three corners to go and went to him and I followed him and then into that corner was even chaos luckily everyone made it through that corner though but that corner was the right-hander was chaos and I think I was fifth wheel through there fifth or sixth maybe even but on the outside kind of moving up and then into the left-hander, uh, I moved up a few places. And then in front of me into the left-hander was Eric, Sam, the Volo kid, and then Corey. And then I was behind them. We went through that corner and everything kind of seemed good. I went to the outside right before it to try to go up the inside because I knew I had to get around Corey before the last corner. Like if I wanted any chance to win, I had to get around Corey before the last corner because coming around three people out of the last corner is too much, especially Corey with the speed he does have for sure. Kind of right after everyone thought everything was good, all of a sudden, Corey was on the ground, like to my right kind of by that point. And then, to be honest, the Project Echelon guy that was to my left, I didn't even really see him in the moment. Like, I didn't really know he was there. Like, he was there in, like, visual awareness, but I didn't really know what was going on. You know, I didn't know if he was, like, coming up or if he was slowing down or what, to be completely honest. And kind of what everyone wants to know is how did the crash happen with Corey and the Evolo kid? to be completely honest, not to let everyone down, but I didn't really see exactly how they went down. (laughs) So the part that everybody does want to know, I did not uh, have clear vision on. I wasn't really looking exactly what happened. Like I've been asked probably a thousand times, whether it's over Instagram DMs or in person the next couple of days in Knoxville, but I did not see how they collided. It was just kind of, I was sprinting out of the court and all of a sudden Corey was down on my right side. So I was already kind of trying to go Around them on the left, which luckily enough kind of saved me because they came down to the left. If I'd have been kind of still on Corey's wheel, there would have been no way I would have got around either one of them. To be honest,
0: the way that you retell this, it it skips over this like huge confidence boost, basic belief in yourself part. You know, you're 18 years old. You, you know, are just graduating from high school. You you've got this position with Trinity Racing that we need to talk more about in a few seconds, but you're talking about the steps that you're taking to beating Corey Williams, you know, Ty Magner, Ty Williams, Scott McGill, Sam Bassetti, Eric Young. You're talking about beating grown men who have been training their entire lives or their entire adult lives for this exact moment. And the level of calm and presence that you bring to it is just like, yeah, I belong there. And it's amazing to me that you have that presence. Where where does that come from?
3: I mean, I have been racing a long time. To be honest, as a junior even, uh, I was with Lux Cycling uh, my last two years as a junior. Uh, When I was with them, most of the 2020 season is gone, but we don't need to talk about that. In 2019, uh, I raced a ton of the pro stuff like Valley of the Sun and all of that stuff. Um, I did in the pros that year. And so I did race a lot of these guys. Sam Basetti I've grown up with in Sonoma County. I've known Sam since I was 10. He was kind of racing. I remember watching him at under 23 crit nationals when he was on Cal Giant a long time ago. He got second and I was 10, I think that year in Wisconsin, like forever ago and I've kind of known a lot of these guys Tyler Williams I train with a ton and I have raced I mean I've raced a lot of the guys for a few years now so it's not like it was necessarily a new peloton to be racing so I did know that the I mean as far as the confidence like I did know I belong there and this was a good crit for me to win and I did go in with the mindset of wanting to win I mean it really just depended kind of on how the race went just because I didn't have teammates there and whatnot so it's not like I could I had to either be in the break or wait for the field sprint it wasn't really like I had the choice to have a team ride the whole time and then try to sprint or have a way to control it like that so I kind of just had to play off of Legion and elevate and the other teams mainly Legion cuz they did control 90% of the race I would say or 99 honestly but yeah I mean I definitely I definitely do feel like I belong there maybe I might not be as well known on the US scene just as far as I spend most of my time racing in Europe and then before that was a junior. So as far as this Peloton, I'm definitely not as well known, but I did feel like I belong there for sure.
0: How do you approach it in a team sport like road racing, like crit racing when you're a solo guy? I mean, you talked a little bit there about how you knew you had to play off of elevate and Legion, or you had to get it in a breakaway. You know, where, where does that knowledge come from?
3: It's always tricky going in without teammates. I'm the only American guy on Trinity that races road. It definitely makes it a little bit more complicated, but the good thing was is it was pretty predictable how Legion was going to ride. Going in, everyone kind of knew they were going to try to repeat what they've done at Tulsa, which is ride fast enough to where nothing really goes away. And then they do have super fast guys in the finish and a good lead out, so they can base everything on that and know that they will be successful like that. I mean, they proved that the week before at Tulsa that they were obviously very, very successful. So I would say it made it a lot easier knowing how they were going to race. So basically kind of just followed them as long as there wasn't Legion guys in a break, you were pretty confident that it was going to come back. Like as far as how I played it, I was willing to risk that if Corey, Tyler Williams, or Ty Magner weren't in a break, I didn't need to be there. Like they wouldn't let a break go with anyone else or let other guys ride in a break. And With that matter, they didn't really send anyone in the break except for, I think, an hour in, they sent Ty Magner once, and I went across the one time because he was there, but other than that, they didn't really have breaks, so this was definitely a lot more predictable of a race than anything I've done in the past, I would say, just because of how Tulsa went, and then obviously, the lead-up kind of into Pro Nationals this year with Legion and Best Buddies and all the other teams, there was a lot of hype around it, and then they came from Tulsa where they figured out exactly what they had to do to win. Like Legion kind of had it dialed in. They had a good team. They didn't have the exact same squad, but they knew they needed to do the same thing to win at the end of the day.
0: We're going to get into, you know, crit beef in a minute, because like you, you have inherited that title. You have inherited the right to tell us what you think we should do with crit beef and kind of how you're going to, you know, run this, Luke Lamperte, you know, administration as the new pro crit champion and and what you'll do with with Danny Estevez, the amateur crit champion. But I want to talk first about Trinity Racing because it's something that is unknown to a lot of the U.S. crit racing audience for sure and probably to a lot of the U.S., you know, road racing audience. My understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, is that You know, Trinity is a British team. It's a UCI team. It's kind of a multidisciplinary, you know, uh, road, mountain bike, cyclocross, whatever it is, a bunch of younger athletes, 19, 20, 23 years old. You know, what is is Trinity all about?
3: Yeah. So Trinity Racing um, started off the sports management company Trinity that manages a lot of big guys in the world tour. And it kind of started with Tom Pidcock, who a lot of people know who follows cycling now, a big star in the sport nowadays. And it started with him just racing cycle cross. And then just last year, uh, went to a full road team and they weren't continental last year. They had 10 guys on the full road team, but were very successful with Tom as well as a lot of the other guys. And then this year kind of brought on a whole a whole new aspect. Um, the team has a full 10-man road team. So there's 10 of us who race road full-time, and it's a continental team this year based out of the UK. But a lot of the stuff we do is in Europe. We don't do a ton in the UK. And then there's four full-time mountain bikers, uh, Chris Blevins and Haley Batten, who have been doing super good on the mountain bike scene. If you follow that, you definitely know who they are, as well as Chiara, who's Italian, and then Alex, who's a Brazilian kid, who are full-time mountain bikers and then there's a couple other people there's another kid cameron who does cross uh full-time and it's kind of everyone does a little bit of everything in a sense like a lot of the road guys are just road but i started out this year racing mountain bikes i did three three or four mountain bike races at the beginning of the year to start the season when not much road was happening which was definitely super cool to be able to change it up as well as, for example, Chris, I think, is going to be doing some cycle cross at the end of the year. So he'll do mountain and cycle cross, and everyone's able to do a little bit of everything with it being the same team. Um, you definitely can mix it up, which is a super cool new approach that specialized and a lot of the sponsors have been behind, um, which is super cool to be a part of. It's kind of it's a new approach, but I think it's definitely something that will become more popular as well as super successful, just as far as. I think when you're young, especially at my age, to be able to do a little bit of everything still is super good. And then obviously, right now, um, a lot of the guys at the very top of the sport are doing multiple disciplines. And so I think that's brought a lot of people's eyes to doing multiple disciplines, which having a development team that does multiple is definitely super special to be a part of.
0: Have you gotten to meet Pitters, Tom Pidcock?
3: Uh, I have not, no. He has been busy this year with all kinds of stuff. His race schedule is absolutely crazy, but there are a lot of guys on the team that are really good friends with him and know him, but I have not met him in person, no.
0: So you've got two Americans on the team, Christopher Blevins and Haley Batten. Both of them are going to the Olympics. Both of them have been national champs, but they've never been pro or elite national champs. You're the first person on the team to to bring that stars and stripes Jersey to Trinity racing. What's the Jersey going to look like?
3: That's a really good question for sure. We're not sure what the Jersey will look like yet at all, but I'm sure map our clothing sponsor and Australian based company will do an amazing job with it, but it will be, uh, I probably won't. I think it's going to be a surprise. I don't think they're going to show me even before the design. And I think they're going to design something special and then it will be a surprise. So we'll see.
0: Cause you're not afraid to mix it up in a, in a crit. I mean, yes, you know this was winning the pro crit championship for you is not an aberration you've been at tour of america's dairy lane you've done san rafael you've done the crits that go with southern highlands or valley of the sun so you're you're gonna be around to do some crits in that jersey right
3: yeah i definitely will be at um a few crits in the jersey for sure i don't know how many as far as hopefully get to some late season and then Probably beginning of next season and try to be in it a little bit. It depends on how the schedule falls, but I definitely wanna do some of the some of the bigger crits as well as a lot of the Nor- NorCal local crits, just as far as they're always always good fun. So definitely try to do some stuff in the jersey.
0: Now, have you, you know, gently chided some of your teammates like Haley and, and Christopher about being the first one to reach the elite pro championship status?
3: I have not. No. I think Chris actually might be short tracked national champ I think that might have been elite last year that he won or in 2019 when they had it I think he might have had it I don't know if he doesn't have a jersey I don't think but I think he does he might have an elite national championship and I'm sure they won't be far off I don't know if they're doing nationals this year because the Olympics but I'm sure they will not be far off with how they're going this year so I have not given them too much
0: so we're going to circle back to crit racing in a second here but I do want to talk about your other passion which is mountain biking because I know that you live in a part of the country in Northern California that is just great for mountain biking. I know that it's always been something that you've enjoyed doing and something that you're really very good at doing. You know, Do you think that the work that you did with mountain biking has played into how good you are at crit racing? Or is it just, this is fun for you, you like mountain biking, you like crit racing, let's just do it all?
3: I think it all does help each other. But I think a lot of why I do it is because it is just fun to do a little bit of everything. I love being on the dirt and doing the mountain bike stuff. I love being in crits and mixing it up as well, as much as I love racing in Europe on the road. And so I think it does all help. Like the mountain bike stuff at the beginning of the year is, I forget how hard mountain biking is. I hadn't done it in a while and it's insanely hard, just like full gas for an hour and a half. Whereas in a crit, you still do get some recovery. So it is, Definitely can help a lot with crits, I think, just because it's a full gas crit with no rest, as well as the technical side of it. And so it definitely helps with that power. Um having that punchy power for sure. Like I think Chris would be really good at crits, to be honest. I mean, he came from road too. He did both um before he just went to the mountain. So he'd definitely be he'd definitely be a good crit teammate. Maybe I'll get him out to some crits for sure.
0: It would be great to have two of you from Trinity racing at intelligentsia or two of you racing a gateway or winston-salem how much how much do we have to encourage chris to get out there and do some crits
3: i think he might be up for it he was when we were in austria at the beginning of the year at some mountain bike races we were talking about it and he was like oh maybe i'll come out to road nets but with the olympics and everything he has to focus on that you know he has this year is definitely a big big focus towards the olympics for him so maybe next year we'll get him out to some stuff like that and uh get them back on the road, do some road racing for sure. How
0: do you get motivated? You know, when you go to nationals and you're lining up at nationals and you, you have to figure a way to get yourself psyched up and ready to go because in crit racing, there is no, you don't line up and just kind of like half it. It's, it's, you have to go all in. How do you do that? How do you get excited? Do you go back and look at Justin and Corey's old tweets and Instagrams that, you know, come through and say, hey, I want to get those guys? Because, I mean, I know that they're local to you, kind of, sort of.
3: Yeah, yeah. But what do you do? I mean, honestly, I feel like every race I line up for, um, the motivation just comes. Like, that's what that's what I train for is to race. And so anytime I get the chance to line up and race, unless I'm at the Baby jur, whether the 30K... Ah mountaintop finish that's not what I like to do um I would say that I am pretty motivated no matter what but especially being back in the U.S. with stuff like that I wouldn't even say it's a competitiveness to Justin and Corey I would say it's more Tyler Williams just because I spend so much time training with him that he would be honestly who I'm the most competitive with but at the same time to get motivated for crits uh it's a little bit different than road races like you just you start and everything's Everything starts happening right away in a road race. You'll have a neutral and, uh, you don't start right away. You know, crits you just get right to it. So definitely a different motivation, but as soon as you line up, you're kind of, you get motivated with everyone, everyone there, especially being back in Knoxville and so many fans and stuff It just the motivation comes.
0: How much had you followed the crit beef between Legion and best buddies prior to showing up at Knoxville?
3: Honestly, I hadn't followed the whole crit beef thing a ton. i had seen it here and there on Instagram, obviously, just because my Instagram is bikes. But I wouldn't say I followed it a ton. Obviously, I follow Justin and Corey just because what they've done for the sport, I think, is super cool. um, And how they've changed the crit racing scene. I have a lot of respect for what they've done. And so I wouldn't say that I followed crit beef a ton, but I have followed Justin and Corey and their journey um, from even before Legion was super big, uh, I thought they were doing super cool things. And then how it's growing to now is super cool. So I followed them, and I do follow the crit scene and all the big crits, especially now that one of my good friends, Tyler, who's on the team, who I train with a ton, I talk to him all the time. So I'm always talking to him about the crits and stuff, but I wouldn't say that I followed the crit beef stuff a ton or knew a ton about it before before Nationals. And honestly, even now, I don't know a ton about it. Well, let's, let's
0: talk a little bit about the the Legion message of inclusivity, because I think it's a broader message that, that you and I and and everybody in the sport should jump behind because we can all find new and different ways to reach out and be more inclusive. You know, classically with, with some teams it's, you know, about getting more African-American participation or maybe more LGBTQ participation you represent a younger demographic, you know, for the people who are in high school. In high school in the United States is tough, especially for a bike racer, because there are a lot of competing interests. You know, like in America, we've got the religion of football. You're in California, so that religion is even stronger. How do we broaden the scope to people who might not be classically inclined to get on a bike or classically inclined to even try racing a bike, you know, what would you advocate towards somebody who's out there who's like, Oh yeah, this is cool. I liked seeing it at Knoxville. Maybe I'll think about doing it too.
3: I mean, I did just graduate high school. I'm 18. So I am kind of a part of that generation. And I think a lot of what will make it really cool is crit racing. I think crit racing is the way to do it in the U S especially And I think a lot of that reason is just because you can make it a street party. Like when you see all the big crits now, like Tulsa or when we were in Knoxville, it's a, it's a street party that has a bike race, whereas a road race, you're going to have a bike race with like a few people watching. So making it a street party and making people want to come out and making it a cool thing. And then people will get into the bike racing and the bike racing goes with it. And I mean, I think that's a lot of what Legion's doing too, is they're making that a super big priority to them is like the amount of people that show up just to watch them now is crazy. Um, at any crit they go to, like when they come up to NorCal and do a local crit, there's more people there than ever just because they have a massive following. And so making it that street party and then the people come and then they see bike racing and they realize it's cool. And then bike racing will get bigger, you know? So I think crit racing is definitely the way to do it in the U S you're not going to have that same fan base like you do in Europe for a road race here in the U.S. I mean, hopefully it does grow, but I think for now current racing is definitely definitely what's blowing up in the U S and is only getting bigger. And for you,
0: how has it changed? You know, it's only been a little over a week since you won the national championship, but has it changed for you? Have, have people other than random people who run podcasts reached out to you and, and said, Hey, good job. Congrats. How are you doing? You know, like, are your DMs blowing up these days?
3: Uh, my Instagram has definitely like, I've gotten more followers and stuff than I ever have um, from it. And I think a lot of that is just because of how much crits have blown up. Like I wouldn't say that many people as far as like European teams and stuff really even care about it. You know what I mean? It's not a big, big deal for them, but in the US it's definitely a big deal. And it has uh, definitely blown up a lot. Like I would say Instagram is definitely the biggest thing that's just, Blown up uh, as far as DMs and followers and stuff like that for me has definitely skyrocketed compared to anything else I've done, and so that's definitely definitely comes along with it. But I think what a lot of people don't realize is they see that like a lot of the articles are like say there's crashes and a lot of people talking about how like Legion's taken taken the hype away, but at the same time, I don't think the race would mean anything if it weren't for what Justin and Corey have done. You know, like they've made. They've made it a big deal, and what they've done has made crit racing a big deal, I would say. So a lot of that does evolve from them. Going into
0: it, and this is kind of the concluding question, or maybe two questions, depending on how I ask it. Going into a race like nationals, or a big race, but let's just stick with crit nationals. Going into it, did you visualize, or kind of walk through what it would be like to win that race?
3: Yeah, I think I did honestly. Like the night before, like I always think about it going into races. I always try to walk through how it could how it could play out. Um and so I definitely do walk through like how I think I could win the race. Like that's one of the, especially in crits when you know the course like you walk through how you think you could win and then with that you kind of picture yourself winning cuz you don't want to you don't really think about anything else happened other than winning at least I try to think about the winning aspect of it before and getting that mindset and so you do run through it and then that kind of goes through your head like what it would be like to win but it doesn't actually hit until it happens like it never even if you visualize it it doesn't actually sink in until it's happened like until it's happened you don't really you don't really think about it too much like you think about the race a lot but you don't think about the actual win and what it would be like until it happens I would say
0: how does the reality compare to the visualization? You know, did the did the visualization <laughs> include you going mano a mano against uh, Corey and, and beating him, or did the visualization come from you in a breakaway? I, I just like how does the reality compare to what it was like in your mind before you did
3: it? Yeah, I mean, my my vision of it definitely didn't have the the crashes and everything that went along with it in the vision, but. Um, I'd say probably my vision was probably more of like me, Corey and someone else, like going for it, like everyone kind of fighting for position into that third corner and then sprinting from there. Like it's been one in the past and it coming down to a lot less people than it came down to. Like there was a lot of people that were kind of still in it in that last or in the third corner to go. So definitely a little bit different. I would say, I think it was different than a lot of people visualized. to be honest. I don't think anyone really visualized it the same way that it went down, but.
0: Well, like, I I know that all of the people that were watching it with me were just absolutely stunned by the way that it kind of, the the chaos that just ensued right there at the very end. And, you know, the reason we have the races is because of the unpredictability of it. The reason that we, you know, we play the game is because the statistics, you have to throw them all out once you get there, you know, because the the match is going to happen and the best person you know, will end up winning that day. And you're that best person for 2021. How does that like feel to be this young and to be at the top already?
3: It definitely feels super cool. Like the feeling is definitely a lot more than what I expected. It's definitely super cool to win, but I definitely still have a lot of things that I want to go on and do, I would say. So it's just kind of a stepping stone in the right direction. And there's definitely a lot more that I do want to go on and do. You know, I guess it's a step in the right direction, but there's a lot more that I would like to do. So this is the
0: hard part about being a lawyer here. I know that when my boss listens to this, he's going to go, you have to ask this next question. But then in the back of my head, I'm also saying, well, I already told Luke that I only had one or two more questions. So I apologize, but I'm breaking. I'm breaking the rule.
3: You could ask. No worries. What
0: are the things that you still got to do? I I need to know what are the things that are still left on your checklist to accomplish in this sport?
3: A lot of what I want to accomplish is the classic stuff. Like I want to get a good crack at the under 23 classics next year because we lost a lot of that this year. And then eventually go pro and get a good run at the classics, if not multiple runs, as many runs as I can. Really, I would love to I would love to win a big classic for sure. That'd be like the dream to win to win a monument specifically would be an absolute dream. But any of the big classics for sure are, uh, I would say my biggest goal right now.
0: Well, I'm going to put a whole bunch of, uh, internet points at roller derby on you for Flanders. How's that sound?
3: Perfect. Yeah, that'd be a good one. No, for sure.
0: Luke, thank you so much for being on the show. We can't wait to see you out there and that Stars and Stripes jersey.
3: Uh, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for joining us on another episode of the show. We are a proud part of the Wide Angle Podium network of shows. Go to WideAnglePodium.com to find out more about the full bevy of shows that we've got there and become a subscriber and help financially support this content creator-owned effort. We'll be back next week to talk full coverage of Sonny King and about the first half of the season. Can't believe we're already there, but in a normal year, this would be the first half of the season. So Celine and Alan are going to join me and we're going to break down everything that's happened, what we've learned, and what we hope we'll see in the second half of the year. So join us here again next time for more stories from our Criterium Nation. The Grodio Podcast.